hello. Good morning. How are you doing? Good? Let me just grab my coffee. I have a picture. I have a picture to share with you all. As I'm, ask, as I'm asking everybody how they are this morning, Makas will get it for you to view in a while. I want you to just pay attention to this, to this. it's not a movie, it's just like a, it has a song, Makas, or no? I don't know if you can, oh, this side is not working. Are you guys able to see this side? Friends, this not the end? I just wanted to paint a picture for where we're going with our message this morning. Um, you know, a lot of times we ask people, how are you? Or we ask them or they ask us, how are you? And that's a question you can answer. You can either answer one word, two words, three words, a paragraph, or depending on how much, depending on how much time the person has to listen. Can relate to that this morning. Can you guys see it? Can you see? Do you want to come this side? How much of you who have seen it over this side of the room can relate to that? And if, if some of you cannot relate to it, you are okay not to stay in the teaching because you have mastered calming the storms, and you could show us, right? you could tell us how to calm the storms when they come like this. Right? So many of, many of us, even if we're in the church or not in the church, many of us are like this. Somebody asks you, how are you? And because you don't, for many reasons you, you may not want to share. Um, you don't want to be vulnerable. One, you don't want, maybe the person who's asking you, you don't feel trust, you don't feel that trust enough to tell them what's happening. Two, you're ashamed because you come to church every Sunday and you should not be having a storm, right? Four, even if you're living in the world, four, you have a job, your husband has a job, your kids are going to school, you have a beautiful house, so why should you tell them about the storm that's raging inside your four walls? or that you carry to every day, right? I think that we know our body's made up of a, a body, a soul, and a spirit. But because we are, we are only aware for the most of the part that we have a body, we tend to 
let our soul and our spirit just live on their own. And sometimes it, the storms that we carry within us overflows into our life, into our, into our actions, into, into what we do every day. But we somehow have managed to put things under the rug or try to submerge everything with our hands until we get so tired that it just erupts. But I want, I want to encourage you that by the end of this message, my, my hope is that we come out, out of this room knowing that we have what it takes to calm the storms. We have what it takes to stop a drip, a leak that turns into a storm. We have what it takes to not allow what's going inside our world to influence what's going on outside of our world and destroy what God has created, has built up for, built us up for. We serve a God who, who calms a storm, big or small, it doesn't matter. And if he is able to calm the storms, we who are his children have been called to speak and the, 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 the storm has nothing, the storm cannot ask, ask us permission for it to become, it has to become. Jesus lived in such a reality that his reality was the reality of heaven and he lived it out for us. But one of the things that fueled his reality was the goodness of his papa, the goodness of God. So he lived from that reality. He knew his authority. So I want to encourage you guys that the storms of life are not only for the people living in the world. We too, we too are called to calm the storms in our lives, to shut the mouth of the enemy. But we can only shut the mouth of the enemy by the truth. When Jesus was tempted in, in the desert, how did he shut the mouth of the enemy? By the word of God. So we need to learn the word of God so we're able to shut the mouth of the enemy. Because a lie can only be replaced by a truth. We can, we can say, oh no, I won't believe that lie. But if there's nothing else to replace that lie, it will come back again. Just, just the same way that when, when in the Bible it says, when you clean out a, ho a house, a home of demons, if you do not replace it with the kingdom of God, those demons will go and, you know, call 15 more, 20 more, and have a party. So we can only defeat a lie by, by replacing it with truth. So this morning, I want, to, I want us to take um, a look at the story of Joshua and Caleb. I think for, for some season now, I have been um, what we think in our minds, what we, what, it, what we let grow in our minds and our heart is what's going to feed our, our reality. So for some time, the Lord has me um, just meditating on what is in my mind. What do I nurture in my mind? 
What do I let grow in my mind? Because those things will influence how I make decisions, how I interact with, with people, how he has called me to influence the world around me. And when I say the world, sometimes we think, oh, it's a nation, it's the world. Yes, well, God wants us to do this, but it's, it's our immediate surrounding that he wants us to influence first. Our relationship, our homes, and then from our, our homes is where he's called us to go. So let's look at the story of Caleb and, and Joshua. What made them, how did their names get in the Bible? And we read them, we read about them in Sunday school. We, we read them many, many years after. What about them? Right, set them apart from the, the other um, the other 12 spies. So if you would turn to Numbers chapter 13. But before we get there, I just want to share some thoughts with you and see. Um, so we need to manage our thoughts, which is our thoughts, our emotions, everything that we do that is not visible to people, right? Those are our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings. They reflect what's going on inside. And we can easily get away with hiding those from people, but we can't hide them from God. He sees everything about us, outside and inner. How do we live in response to God? How do we live in response to him knowing that he's a good, good father? And how do we not react and live in reaction to, to the problems that we, that we face? But it, because there's, there's going to be problems, and he, he said it, we're going to be facing problems. So how do we live in response to God and not in response to every problem that arises in our life? How do we not become impressed with our problems? You know, sometimes we use so much, um, and I don't want to say that our problems are little, and I don't want to say that um, it's not okay for us to put things in perspective and do what God has called us to do when it comes to facing problems, solving problems, um, um, dealing with crisis. I don't want to make little of that, but sometimes it consumes so much of us that all we see is our problems. We wake up, we think about our problems. We go to sleep, we think about problems. We talk to somebody, and the first thing is, you talk about your problems, right? Your, your child will come to you, right? And ask you a random question. And because you're irritated by your problems, you react out of that, right? So that's, that's where I think, and I know that, because. I am walking in something right now that I know the Lord is teaching me a lesson. I know he's bringing breakthrough. So I want, I want to journey this with you all this morning. It becomes so suffocating that it takes the living breath out of you if you allow it to. So let us go to the, to the story of Caleb. So he says that this is, this is, let me just paint a background picture. This is when the Israelites were taken out from Egypt, right? They made it through the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. 
he um, did many signs and wonders. He, they saw the plague, they saw all of that. They saw him providing every step of the way. Um, so they were about to enter the promised land, which, which God had promised them. So the Lord instructed um, Moses, it says, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites from, from each ancestral tribe, and send one, and send one from each of the leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them all from the desert of Param. All of them were leaders of the Israelites, right? And two of those leaders, two of those men were Caleb and Joshua. So going down to verse 17, it says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he gave them specific instructions, right? He says, go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak or few or many. He wanted them to take an inventory of what they saw, right? What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or is it bad? What kind of town do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? Is it the so How is the soil? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. And it says it was, a, it was a season for the first ripe grapes. So going, going further, it says in verse, let's go down to verse um, 26, when they came back. Oh, no, wait, sorry. Let's go just read one verse, because this verse will, be, will become important for what um, the Lord is going to do afterwards. It says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. That was in verse 25. So it took them 40 days to travel to the land, do their inventory, do what they had to do, and bring back the report, right? So it says it, it, was, it was time for report time now. So they came back to Moses, and this is, this is the report of the 10. I don't know who the, I don't know. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is just bringing this to me, but I don't think that when we bring, your name will not get any credit when you bring a bad report. You notice that? Do we, do we know the names of the of the person who was who was the main speaker? Wasn't he was that wasn't necessary, right? Right. So when we use our mouth to glorify God, that's when we are using it properly. We don't even know his name, but mind you, he gave a, he, to him was a good report. So he says, "We went into the land." I could just imagine his his expression, and you know. As everything was, this was motivated by fear. He says, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does not flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. Listen, it doesn't flow with milk and honey. And right after that, he says, but here is the fruit. He's giving a testimony. We don't even know he's giving a testimony. He's bringing fruit. But he, he, he overlooked that. He says, but the people who live there are powerful. 
and the cities are fortified, very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the coast, and along the Jordan, sorry. I love this next verse. Then Caleb, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Caleb only spent, if we're doing a report for school, right? Caleb spent probably five minutes to do his report while the other guy must have been days doing his report. Remembering everything was bad. But the men who had gone up with him, they, they insisted, right? And they said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we. And they spread among the Israelites bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Enoch, come from the Nephilim, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked, and we looked the same to them. Imagine. It says, we seem like grasshoppers. What does the enemy do? He roars like a lion. He's the counterfeit. So this person's lenses was, he let his mindset reduce the power of God and who they were, who they were, because they were a chosen people. He let his mindset reduce them to grasshoppers. And that's what we do sometimes. We let, we make our problems so big and we so small and God so small. And it, it gets even worse because as you go down to chapter 14 and in, and in the last part of verse two, this is what they said of, out of their mouth. It says, if only we had died in Egypt. How many times we not say that? If only we had died in Egypt. After everything they had gone through, this is what it comes down to. If only I had not gotten married. If only I had not had these kids. If only I had not taken that job. If only I had not married so young. God is not a God of ifs. But you will see that they will. They will suffer. 
for what their mouth had said and their hearts had said. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What a dishonor to God and to Moses. What a dishonor. And that is what the lies of the enemy does. It fogs our perception. It totally makes our mind blank to what God has done. To the point that you dishonor those who are helping you. You dishonor God himself. And that is rooted where? In the demonic. That is rooted in the demonic. So let's go down to, it says, in verse 26, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? Remember, they were the ones who were praying when they were enslaved by the Egyptians. They were praying for deliverance. And now, he had delivered them, you know. They were no longer being chased by the Israelites. They now became their own prisoners to their lies. They now became prisoners to the lies that they had believed. They were no longer prisoners. Right? But they're mentally... They develop a prison for themselves. Not they, they want their, their, their mentality is still being a slave. That they chose, they're, they're saying, I choose to go back to do that. Imagine how depraved can your spirit, your soul be that you would choose a life that your parents, your grandparents lived and that you've been praying for. How? The prayer could your spirit be and hopelessness set in that you, that you prefer to go back to where you were. And this is all rooted in Satan's plan and Satan's lies. So this is what, this is what the Lord said. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will... I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. Right? Sometimes the world we live in, we have built it. And this is why the, the Bible says, and the Lord says that there's power in our mouth. So if that is their desire, he's giving it to them. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of, of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land. I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Except. Why? Because their heart and their mind was set on God. 
and they had a different report. It says, as for your children, that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them in to, to enjoy the land you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years. One year for every day that they took to explore the land. Suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explore the land. Remember we, we read that in the previous chapter? You will suffer for your sins and know that and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community which has band together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. So it says further in 37 that the Lord struck them down and they died by a plague, right, right, right. So only Caleb and Joshua from that generation were able to survive. Sometimes we look at our lives and we wonder, how did we get where we are? But do you know where we are is because of every decision we have made with God or without God? Every decision. Because he gives us free will. He gives us free will. He's such a good, good father that he would not have you and I serve him by force. He's such a good, good father. The reason he went to freedom is because they cried out to him. That's the reason he went to freedom. And it has always been his, his desire for us, his children, to be with him. To be with him. It's not the Lord's desire for all of, any of us to be enslaved physically or mentally. He wants us to be free. But with freedom comes responsibility. And that's the hard part. With freedom comes responsibility. I want, to, I want us to take a look at another story of a man who was not, I wouldn't say he was a, he was a believer. He, was a, he wasn't a born again believer. But I just, want to, I just want to illustrate to you. Let's turn. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 8, 5. This is a story of of the centurion. So 
how it says in verse chapter 8 verse 5 it says when jesus had entered capernaum a centurion came to him asking for help lord he said my servant lies at home paralyzed suffering terribly jesus said to him shall i come and heal him see jesus always he saw he saw i mean he's funny <laughs> if i come and tell you i have a problem he's such a gentleman he will ask you what do you want me to do he doesn't assume what you want but i think it's a realization that we need sometimes we need to say we need to declare because in our declaration comes the partnership comes the agreement the centurion replied lord i do not deserve to have you come under my roof but just say the word and my servant will be healed that to me is such a transformed mindset he's not a he's not a born again believer jesus hasn't died and he had that mindset he knew his authority so he knew the authority of jesus he said lord you don't even have to come to my house because i am a man of authority and whatever i say my men will execute it and that is mindset that is our mind set and trained by faith what how much more of you and i who have been born again and have received the holy spirit and this is what jesus said about him he says when jesus heard this he was amazed and said to those following him truly i tell you i have not found anyone in israel with such great faith when our mind is set on the faithfulness and goodness of god i don't think there's anything that we cannot overcome because we are his children we are his children and what jesus had access to when he was on earth is the same thing that we have access to So how many how many of us I was asking friends a question this morning and cuz I just I just think it's it's so weird and why is it that we always it's easier to think on the negative side And me and me yes lord the lord is training us to 
you know, to walk in his ways, to have the mind of Christ. But for the most part, even if you're just a, a new believer or even if you're walking with the Lord, there's something that happens and we are just triggered to think that, oh, no, that won't happen, right? I was doing some reading about the mind and what happens when decisions are made in our mind, what with the structure of the brain and the neurons and what's not. Um, it says that the more we train our minds to think a certain way, it's automatic. So whenever we face a problem and we think, oh no, this could never happen or fear sets in, our brain has already made that pathway that automatically, that's where we go to. But let me, let me share some hope and let me share some light that we can change that. We can change that. And one of the ways that we can change that is by the word of God. By knowing who he is. By knowing our personal history with him. Did you know that when the Israelites were coming out in Joshua chapter 4, the Lord instructed Joshua. I mean, he's so smart. The Lord instructed Joshua when they had crossed the Jordan to ask a leader of the, to get a leader from the 12 tribes for them to pick up a rock so that they can set it as a reminder of them being able, God opening up that, that sea and them walking on dry land. He said that would be to remind their children that this is what the Lord had done. The Lord knew we would need reminders because we forget. We easily forget what God has done for us. So many times we need reminders. Because we easily forget what he has done for us. We don't, need, we don't need to be reminded of our problems. We don't need to be reminded of our problems. We need to be aware that they exist. But we don't need to be constantly reminded and be overwhelmed and be out of breath, losing sleep. And every conversation we have with, with friends is this. And everything, every time we talk, it's this. That's building a, a, that's saying to God, you are not able. But yet we say, what's the verse that we quote all the time? What's the verse we always say? With God, all things are possible. But you could quote that and say, mm, but not this God. With God, all things are possible. But, right, we always have that but. But this is too big. But you don't know what they got through. Right? But the doctor say, and the ultrasound say, and the cats can say. But what is God saying? 
What is God saying? All of that is information. All of that is information. We need to begin. We cannot deal with our problems the same way the world deals with our problems. Because where are they going? What would we have to offer if we deal with the, our problems the same way the world deals with their problems? Then where do they go? If somebody calls me and tells me, oh, I did go through this. I tell them, yes, girl, me too. Oh, we are though. I pray that God will give us, and myself included, a mindset like Caleb and Joshua. That you would tell the enemy, shut up. Shut up. And that we would have a better report. And I think that Caleb and Joshua did this because they grew up. They grew up under Moses. They saw the miracles. They grew up under his authority, his anointing. So what does that, does that say to you and I? Who are we allowing our space to? Who is speaking into our lives? Who are we allowing ourselves to be ministered by or ministering to? They had a totally different mindset. So we should be people that have solutions, that bring encouragement, that say, you know what? Yes, I know this happened to you, but there is a God who did this for me, who did this for my neighbor, who did this for my sister, who did this for my father. And there is a God who can. There is a God who can restore my marriage, restore my relationship. There is a God who can heal, who does heal. And we speak it. And we speak it. Philippians 2, 7 says that his name, God gave him the name that is above every name. I, I said, Lord, may we get a revelation of that scripture. Of who he is. Because when that becomes our inner world, then we'll be able to transfer that, transfer that inner world into our outer world. Because that is who we are, church. That is who we are. Anything that says you are less than that is from the demonic world. Because that is who we are. Let us read one more story. It's in Mark 
Mark four, start to five. It says, this is when Jesus come, this term. A lot of you may be, are already familiar with this. It says in verse 35, it says, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Gosh, oh my God, that's not Jesus. I'm not answering. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, it says, Let us go to the other side. What has what has he has what has God promised us or you individually? Anybody would like to share? What has God promised us? I will tell you that He has promised me that I will have an enriched and fulfilled marriage. I may not be walking in it yet, but that is a promise I'm holding on to. He has promised that up to my seventh generation, my grandkids will know who he is and live the life that he has called him to. What are some of the promises he has given you? Because the only reason and one of the reasons that Caleb and Joshua could have, their minds could have been set on God because their hearts were set on his promises. So unless we know where we're going, what we're doing would be in vain. What we're doing today would be in vain. So we need to hold on to the promises of God. He said to them, let us go to the other side. Let us go to the other side. If he had said, we're going to the other side, but there is a storm, how much of you would go? How much of us would go? None. If he had said to me, when I came to PG, let us, I am sending you to PG, but your daughter, you will lose your daughter four to five years after, I would not have come. I would not have come. Right? So he didn't tell them there's going to be a storm. He said, let us go to the other side. He told them where we're going. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There, there were also other boats with him. So a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a, sleeping on a cushion. Funny, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Then the disciples, me, Rosanna, Gabby, Miss Alicia, Mr. Jack, Barbara, we're terrified outside, right? Trembling. <laughs> Sorry, Miss Barbara, I got you off guard, right? <laughs> I just put you in my boat. So it says that 
they woke him up and said to him, said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Simple words. That's what he does warfare. That's what he does warfare. But maybe when I'm when I'm doing my warfare, Miss Deb can hear me and I can hear her. Right? That's how we do warfare. No. <laughs> if you're not loud enough, you're not doing warfare. And if you're not sweating, you're not doing warfare. And if you're not screaming at the top of your lungs, you're not doing warfare. And if you're not fasting, you're not doing warfare. And if you're not reading your Bible every day, you're not doing warfare. <laughs> and if you're not submitting yourself to so-so-so, you're not doing warfare. And if you're not coming to church every Sunday, this is how he does warfare. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He then turned to his disciples and said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Then they, <laughs> then they turned at each other and said, who, who is this? Like, who is this? <laughs> Even the wind and the waves obey him. They've been, they've been having warfare with this term whole night. They're probably wet and tired. They're trying to bail out the boat. And Jesus rebukes the storm with three words. Quiet, be still. Some people think we're crazy, right? Miss Alicia? Right? What if we get a report, a bad report, right? Somebody call us. And we tell them, quiet, be still. I said, she don't lose for she mine. <laughs> Quiet, be still. They were caught up the light. Quiet, be still. <laughs> they were contact my house. They bought the contact my house. Quiet, be still. Right? Just this past week, maybe two weeks ago, Jamian is going to school, right? And he had already do his pre-registration. And I said, um, whenever I, I, I would begin to think about it, like, you know, the finance and everything. He was looking for a place to stay and we were, we were up and down and we were thinking, oh my gosh, we have to pay like $500 for a room. Then we have to find money for him to eat. Then we have to pay his tuition. <sighs> this was my prayer. And I, I didn't know 
At the time, it was a prayer on the last turn. God revealed it to me. Anytime that thought came into my mind, I would say, Jesus, I don't know how, how that won't happen, but it won't happen. That was my prayer. And it came in my mind almost three times for the week, and that is why I would go after it. And one time, I said, hmm, I, this, this is me speaking to me. I said, I said, hmm, I haven't even dedicated the time that I need, you know, for prayer for Jamie. And, and I felt guilty, right? But every time the thought came into my mind, where are we going to find this money? I would just rebuke it and say, you know what, Lord? I don't know how you happen, but you happen. <laughs> so, so come say, maybe a week and a half ago, he got a call from you because he had, he had gone up to try out for the volleyball team for UB. And we were hoping, you know, but I didn't know what that entailed. Like, okay, you're going to play ball. He loves to play ball. And if he could be playing ball, he's okay. So he went to play ball. <laughs> so we got a call and said that um, out of, I think, three guys, out of three guys, I think three for football and three for volleyball, Jamon was picked out of six, three for volleyball. And he, I think there's three, three for volleyball from PG. Two from PG got for volleyball, so him and another guy were, were picked to play on the team, and he's getting a full scholarship. Right? And I was there like, Lord, where the money they come from? And probably Jesus was like, mm, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Right? And I was like, Lord, man, you're amazing. So I learned how to warfare now, <laughs> right? I'm learning how to do warfare, people, right? Not that it is wrong to do that, but sometimes when we know who we know and when we know who we are, we know our authority, then our reality inside, everything outside has to submit to our in a reality and who we serve. How are we on time? Makas? Good? Good. All right. I mean, this is not the first time that the Lord has led me to share on this, and I don't know. I don't know why, but whenever the Lord keeps bringing it back and bringing it back is because he wants to refine that area. He wants to make sure that we understand where he's coming from. He, we, he wants us to win the victory here before we win the victory here. If we cannot win the victory in our mindset about a certain situation, how can we win it out here? Sometimes we allow things to overpower us and we're supposed to rise above that. Ephesians 2, 6. Let us, let us go there. Man, the Lord has... He has a solution for everything, man. If we would only stick to his word and believe his word and believe 
him for who he is and what he says. We would have no problem. Hmm. We would have no problem that we can't conquer. Let me say that. that we will have problems, right? So Ephesians 2.6 says, Let me just read from verse six, from verse four, sorry. It says, but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you and I have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. We live on earth, but we are not of this earth. We are, we are new creations. We live here, but we are not of this world. We are seated where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And it's from there we solve our problems on earth. And the same way that Jesus can look at a problem from there, that's the same way we should look at things here. And what he has, what is accessible to Jesus is also accessible to us. But it's up to us to access it. He's given us the keys, men. He's given us the keys. So it's for you and I to unlock it and access it. Do you know that Jesus believes in you and I more than we believe in ourselves? He believes so much in us that we believe in our own selves. And the Bible says that he intercedes as a high priest. He intercedes for us. Every day he intercedes for us. Imagine what a, he already gave his life for us. And now he's interceding on our behalf. That is how much he believes in us. We need to start to believe in ourselves, church. We need to start believing in us because he does it. He does it every day. And he says we can because his spirit lives in us. So is there anything that Jesus faced and he didn't conquer? Anything. There is nothing that he faced that he did not conquer. And such is for you and I. Everything that he dealt with, we are able to deal with now. But sometimes, you know, when you, when you become a new believer, you get so excited. You get so excited. There's a rush of endorphins. There's a rush of I don't know what, right? 
But when all of that level goes down, guess what? To maintain a relationship with Christ, to know his word takes an effort, takes you and I putting in that every day. It won't just come by. It won't just come by from here to here. I wish it did. <laughs> I wish it did. There's no magic button that I could press and all his word will be in me. And I would know his word. There's no magic button that I could press and my life would be just ah in heaven. It takes work. Not that we will do work to, get, to gain his favor and to gain his salvation, but to know who he is and the re revelation of who he is. Because he is for us. He is for you and I. I don't think there is any other way that he can show it to us because he has already shown it. And he continues to do it even now as a high priest. He's such a good, good father. And Jesus lived in that reality that he, 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 he needed. He needed to be tapped to the father. And he was a son. What about us? What about us? It takes work, man. Any relationship takes work. Marriage, father-daughter, mother-daughter, whatever relationship takes work and effort and interest. Jesus demonstrated. He came to demonstrate to us the Father and how you build a relationship with the Father. He didn't leave us to do to just, you know, figure it out. I'm out. <laughs> right? He just said, figure it out. I'm out of here. He gave us everything we needed to know to make it true. And not just to make it true, but to live. Thank you. But to live with joy. And to, to live knowing the Father. And to live in our authority. And to live heaven on earth. Not waiting to die to go to heaven. But live heaven on earth. I don't know if, it, if this is true. But I once heard a pastor say that. The enemy wasn't put here to disturb us. We were put here to disturb him. Right? What if we would begin to live like that? He made you and I to glorify him. And what the enemy hates? He hates when Jesus is glorified and exalted. So when we exalt him and when we glorify him, not, not, not that we do it for that, but we were made to do that. I had one, one of my, my drivers from work ask, we were, this conversation, I, he said, but 
Tell, let me ask you this question, you say. This is a serious question. He said, why doesn't God just destroy the devil man? So we're tired of living with him. And I, I, I asked that question a few years ago because I was like, Jesus, you're a smart dude, man. You, you're smart. Why do you not get rid of him? <laughs> right? And I thought, he is such a loving father that he believes in you and I, and he knows your potential, that he would not rob you of your potential in destroying and being victorious over the enemy by just wiping out the devil. What would that do for you and I? Then what he did on the crosses would have been for nothing. Would have been for nothing. What, what does it do for parents to have their children just live at home for the rest of their lives and never conquer a problem and never meet a challenge? We do everything for them. What does that do for a child? And we just keep them there because we don't want, we don't want nothing to harm them. You don't want, whoo, we just, oh, what's the lifespan of a person? 60, 65? So imagine, you are let your child live in your house, never make it go nowhere, feed them for 65 years. That's what he, that's, that to me is like that. But he sets us out in the world because he already has equipped us. Equipped us to live. Because living with your parents for 65 years is not living. Right, Paul? <laughs> Paul taught us last week for those who are not here. Jumping off of a plane and jumping off. Right, Paul? That's living. That's the heart of a good, good father that would allow Paul to do those things. I don't know if I would do it, but Paul does it. I mean, but there's no parent alive that would do that to a child. I don't think so. So he wants you to live. But he says, in the midst of your living, you're going to face challenges. But guess what? I have overcome the world, so you can do it too. You can do it. So sometimes the enemy is not our problem, and you know? sometimes it's right here. It's right here. And we, we, we respond to life. We do everything because of here. And this is why when Jesus came, there was chaos because he went, he, he went, he came and he destroyed mentalities after mentalities, beliefs after beliefs. So if you, like me, are struggling inside because the truth and, and the lie, they're just not meeting, you're in a good place. You're in a good place, I will tell you. But if the lights have overtaken you, or you're with that star, they were not in a good place. And sometimes, you know, just like how there's stigma in the world, and there's, there's also stigma 
in the church, whenever we're battling something mentally, and it's hard for us to tell someone, I think we need to begin to develop a space where you, you, can, you can be able to call someone, meet with someone and say, you know what? I am struggling in this area. I am struggling with this. I am struggling with this. Because I believe there's more mental stuff happening in our minds than their physical. You know why? Because I can't hide a limb, a broken limb. I can't hide most of my illnesses physical, but I can hide when there's something going on here. So my prayer is that we become open and vulnerable, that God does not want us to live like that, with a mental prison that we have allowed, because we have allowed the lies of the enemy to be so great and impressive. But God is greater. So I pray that he would give us the lens as he gave Caleb and Joshua. And say, we can take this. Because he has promised us the land with milk and honey. The land with milk and honey. That's, that is our inheritance. He is a God of the impossible. He is the God of the impossible. And we need to become radical church. I have said to the Lord, you know what? If I, if I look crazy, if I whatever, I, I just don't. <laughs> With doing things streamlined. I said, Lord, open my mouth wherever, whenever, whenever talk, make I talk. So I pray that there will be such a boldness where we will just shut the mouth of the enemy. Shut the mouth of the enemy and speak what the Lord is saying, declare what the Lord is saying. That is my prayer for you, for me, for all of us in this room, for all of you online. So let's not be ashamed when you're struggling with something in your mind, when it's a storm as big as that, reach out to someone, talk to someone. Because we cannot be defined how the world defines. We need to use our spiritual weapons, and one of them is our mouth. So if anybody would like us to pray when we're done, please do not leave. Or if you need to talk to someone, I encourage you, talk to someone. I'd just like to give you some of the verses um, as an encouragement to you. It says, Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 8, 6 says, 
For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you do. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from these flows the wellspring of life. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. But I really like this, this um, version from Passions. It says, yes, feast on all the treasure of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the destructions of the natural realm. That was the reality of Jesus, that he could go about and calm the storms. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. So with that, I just want to bless you and I hope that this has been something to encourage you as it is encouraging me for what I'm walking through. So I thank you and I bless you. Amen. So let us just pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that he did not leave us unequipped, that he showed us, he demonstrated you to us, Father. He demonstrated what a good, good Father you are, and that we can do it, Father, because he showed us how. Father, I pray this morning that you, you would give us the revelation of Jesus and who he is and who we are in him. Give us the mindset, Father, the clarity and mindset and wisdom that Caleb and Joshua had for their time. May that be translated to our time, Father God, that we would discern what is good and evil, what's a bad report from a good report, Father, and that we would declare your report, Father God. Father God, may we no longer be impressed by our circumstances, by our problems, but that we would declare Philippians 2, 7, that you have exalted Jesus and you have given him the name that is above every name, every circumstance, Father. And that we sit with you in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. And from there, Father, we live out our earthly lives, Father. We thank you, we honor you, Jesus. And your precious name, I pray, amen.